Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. for part four of our conversation uh, reviewing the 2007 Kansas football season. This time we're, we're going to jump in and finish the discussion about Nebraska, uh, actually with some conversation about Coach Callahan. Then we're going to move right into the Missouri game. Uh, so talk completely about that Missouri game, and then, and then that's where we'll finish up this segment. Enjoy. The one thing I will say is that at least, at least, um, you know, Bill Callahan was not brought in because he was supposed to be a defensive genius. He was supposed to turn the offense around. Didn't really seem to work out too well for them, bringing that that West Coast offense. Um, and obviously, the the defense just completely fell off in the years that he was there, which I think is ultimately what led to him being fired. Is the fact that the defense, you know, if if if, if he had come in and the defense had at least been respectable, um, one they would have probably won a lot more than they did. And two, I think people would have been able to to kind of put up with his introducing the West Coast offense that that nobody was really familiar with, and nobody really seemed to to kind of understand what he was trying to do there. Um, but but when the defense just went the you know absolute crap, they couldn't put up with it any longer. And I guess I don't know why I don't follow them closely enough to know why that happened. Like, did recruiting fall off? Like, I I can't believe they weren't still getting mostly four and a few five-star recruits, like they had to have had the athletes. It had to have been all on the coaching or, I mean, what was the deal there? I, I just don't know. Not that I want to turn this into a discussion on the 2007 Nebraska defense. But... Well, I, as our resident Nebraska expert, I, I can field that one. Um, he, he, a little bit like Charlie Weiss, I mean, he was a career NFL coach, even though he had some college background, you know, that, that was where he came from. And so his approach to recruiting was basically, you know, look at the measurables and, you know, go out and get, get those guys and not really 
didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to, to film and fit and just, you know, wanted to go out and get the best athletes. And then, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just scheme an offense that'll, that'll be great. And, you know, I'll just, I'll hire a defensive coordinator who can, um, you know, who can just, you know, work with these athletes and, and dominate that way. And obviously that's not the way college recruiting works. You have to recruit to fit and you have to, um, pay attention to a lot more than just how big and how fast a kid is. That's why you see, um, you know, 280-pound offensive linemen who are two-star recruits going to small schools because it, it's not like the NFL where if you have the measurables, then for the most part, you know, you can kind of do what you need to do. Um, and so that that was Callahan's approach, and he didn't really figure out that it wasn't working until, you know, the wheels had already come off and yeah. it was clear his time was done. So they did have. What you're the, saying is he had an decided schematic advantage. <laughs> Pretty much, I think that was his approach: is that he was going to have, he was just going to get great athletes and have a decided schematic advantage. And so, I, so they did have the talent, man. So just and they did have the stars. After saying that, nice. They did have the talent, and they did have the stars. They just didn't have the the chemistry and the coaching and the almost the intangible stuff that you kind of need. Yeah, I mean, he, he recruited Dominican Sue, although he, he was fired before Sue's career really got going. But uh, obviously, he was a dominant player, um, uh, uh, like Prince of Mukamari. A, a, a few different uh, guys who were still playing in the NFL from the secondary. He got some good players. He just. Roy uh, Heller was on that team. Roy, yeah, Roy Heller was on a team. Uh, Maurice Purify probably would have had, and he was drafted and would have had an NFL career if he hadn't kind of um, you know, self destructed. But. So he, he had good players. He just, you know, just much like Charlie Weiss, you know, in his last year, he had legitimate talent on that KU team. He just didn't know what the hell to do with it. Yeah. All right, let's stop talking about Nebraska. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on. Um, last last game of this group in here would be the game against Missouri. I'm actually going to go ahead and turn this one over to you guys. I actually just spent almost an hour, about an hour talking with uh, Karen King Harrison about this one. Kind of kind of scoop myself here because I think this is going to come out before – I get that one posted, but uh, so I, I just spent a whole bunch of time talking with him about the Missouri game, but I, I kind of get your guys' thoughts, uh, you know, anything about the pre-game hype for it or the game itself or kind of the, the aftermath of it. Um, let's go ahead and turn it over to Grad and, and go, go ahead and get us going. Well, you know, the one thing I'll say, you know, just to kind of be unique, I mean, we all know the background too, top five teams, you know, spot, spot in the Big 12 championship game. But you, you know what's interesting to me that no one really ever talks about was they moved that game to a neutral site, which cost KU the chance to play that game at home. And think about how significant that ended up being. I mean, let's face it. The two teams were, were pretty evenly matched, if you want to say, you know, Missouri was possibly a little bit better than KU. I mean, fine. They, they beat them you know, by a score on a neutral site. But honestly, I mean, I think if those two teams, if those two teams played each other 10 times that year, you know, I, I don't think Missouri is going to beat KU more than six times. But, you know, that, that's kind of the thing after that game happened. It, I kind of forgot about it, you know, in the year since because it's kind of like, oh, you know, neutral site. And then, you know, the next year KU won. And it was kind of like, this game's awesome, you know, having an arrowhead. But I, I think it's, it's it's definitely an interesting thing to, to talk about that not a lot of people bring up is the fact that, you know, had they not moved that game to Arrowhead, that game would have been in Lawrence. And, and think about for a minute, 
if that game is in Lawrence and, and instead of, you know, the 50-50 crowd split and it's predominantly KU fans, and, and Lawrence was just a, a, a house of horrors for Mizzou. I mean, Mizzou got their just got creamed there in Mangino's second year when Missouri was, you know, supposedly a better team and a pretty right. good favorite. Um, in 2003, I mean, it wasn't even yeah. close. No, uh, two years two years later, uh, well, and then the next year, KU actually won in Columbia. But then 2005, you know, uh, Brad Smith senior year, you know, it, they scored three points. <laughs> I mean, so Missouri was terrible once. I mean, terrible. I mean, the, the last two years, I think they they had lost, you know, both games by double digits and, and pretty convincingly. I mean, they really weren't. I mean, I know the the 2005 game was fairly close just because it took us a while to score. But I mean, they I, they were never. I don't even know if they got past midfield more than like one or two times. So when you think about that, and that is just how terrible Missouri had been playing in Lawrence, it's interesting to think about. Like, man, what happens if that game doesn't get moved to Arrowhead and that game gets played in Lawrence? Well, Mike, I, I know you kind of talked with Jake about that a little bit. Did did you have something you want to jump in on that? I mean, yeah, I asked Jake that exact question. He is not so convinced that it would have made a difference. Uh, just because, I mean, we have to admit it, guys. Missouri was really good that year, too. Uh, it, it pains me deep in my soul to say those words. And it will bug me until the day that I die that we lost this game. Uh, the only game that we lost this year. In a, you know, anyway. But, uh, you know, we... The, the way Jake kind of related the, his game day experience that day, you know, the traffic. How did you? Did any of you guys get to? I got to go to the game. Did any of you guys get to go to the game? No. Yeah, I went. The, the traffic was just awful. Oh, and yeah, no, my friend, my friends and I literally had to get out of the car on the highway on four thirty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we did we, too. We, we literally were like, we cannot hold hold it any longer. Everyone was, everyone was though. I, I think you know, drinking and stuff on the way too. But I mean, we we were getting out of the car and, and people were being out of the road because it was just like, you know, I've been in the car for three hours. Like, what else do you want? Me yeah. Well, and so the the deal was, you know, the traffic was just so bad the team buses couldn't get through. And I don't know what time Missouri got there. But, uh, you know, apparently Kansas got there way later than normal, just, you know, 90 minutes, maybe two hours before game time. Yeah. And, hey, you know, breaking in on that. Um, yeah. I actually just watched the, the, the game about a week ago, and they actually made a comment about that in the pregame. Like, it was actually the full ABC broadcast made a comment. I believe Missouri got to the stadium 40 minutes before kickoff. Oh, Missouri did. Missouri got there. I believe they said it was Missouri that got there like 40 minutes before kickoff. I mean, there was one team that was there, it was like barely enough time to get everybody off the bus and in their uniforms and out on the field to start stretching before the game was supposed to start. Yeah, well, Kansas didn't make it there much earlier than that. So that both teams were late. They didn't get to go through their normal pregame stuff that they go through. And, you know, I, and again, I don't know about them. I don't, I don't follow them. I don't care about them. I don't know what their situation was, but, you know, we had guys that were hurting. You know, Jake Sharp had a, had a hip flexor, and he only had, I think, one carry in that game. He just couldn't go. Uh, you know, the defensive line was beat up. You know, and, and I think, and this might be a dangerous statement, but I think if you look back on the season, you can kind of see the KU defense wearing down 
in November, giving up the 39 to Nebraska, giving up the points to uh, Oklahoma State. You know, uh, yeah, Iowa State, they shut them down, but Iowa State, right? And then, you know, Missouri comes in, and again, good team, good offense, good scheme, but, you know, giving up 36 to Missouri. Like, you know, James McClinton was <laughs> Hercules that year. He had to have been tired. He had to have been hurt. And I'm sure some of the other guys were too, and that's not an excuse, but, you know, it's something to keep in mind. And, and undoubtedly, Missouri was probably dealing with similar things. I mean, by the time you've played 12 football games, you've got guys that are playing hurt. But, uh, you know, uh, something to keep in mind there. And then to to the point earlier about the game should have been in Lawrence, don't you just hate Lou Perkins? I mean, good grief. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I get – I mean, I, I didn't mind moving it i i mean i went i went to those i went to those games all of them uh you know it was it was a fun atmosphere um you know kind of it, it made the game seem bigger you know than it was but i mean if there if there was one year where it's like oh man i mean i'm not saying the outcome would have been different but i mean how much does it help? I mean, if you put percentage, you go into that, maybe you say, okay, I, I'm thinking this is 55% Missouri, 45% Kansas um, at a neutral side between those two teams, which I think would be pretty fair. That game moves to Lawrence, though, and, and like I said, Missouri, terrible track record in Lawrence over the past few years. KU that year, you know, home versus road, I mean, it, it's it's pretty oh. significant. Yeah, happens, you know, blowout wise. I mean, the road games, KU, you know, mostly handled their business, but I mean, they were all close. Whereas the home games, I mean, just none of them were even. I mean, they were all most of them were over by halftime. Right. So I mean, you 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 factor in how good KU was at home that year. It's the end of the year. You know, the place is going to be absolutely rocking. And I, you know, I don't know how much a difference to me, but it made a difference. And I think it's it's interesting to think about you know, how, how significant that was, especially when you're talking about KU wins that game, you know, they're undefeated in the big 12 championship playing to go to playing to go to the national championship game. I mean, which is just crazy to think about that they were that close. And when you're that close, you know, it's kind of hard for me just to be like, man, you know, thinking what if, you know, and there's so many what ifs that, what if KU doesn't hire Charlie Weiss or, you know, what if KU hires Larry Fedora when he, you know, basically was like, yep, I'll come. And, you know, we hired Gil. And what if we hired him, to, you know, the second time? There's so many what ifs. But, I mean, I, I think that one is is pretty big just from such a big picture standpoint of the program. You know, what would have what would have done for our recruiting, you know, had KU made the national title game, even if they hadn't won it? You know, just so many small what ifs. And, it, it just always, I always go back to that and just think, man, just, you know, what happens if, if if KU, you know, gets that game in Lawrence? Right. And here's another one for you. Does Mark Mangino become untouchable if he makes a Big 12 championship? <laughs> and what if he wins a Big 12 championship game? What if he's 12-0 and or 13-0 and going into a national title game? Like, you, you can't fire him then, can you? I mean, you got to think about these things every once in a while. No, to be honest, yeah, I think I, uh, when he gets an extension, um, the end of that season, whether he wins the national title or not, and then becomes extremely expensive to fire him, even more so than it was. Um, you know, actually, to kind of, to kind of, uh, for the record, there, C. Dot, you know, was was talking with him exactly about that. What if, you know, they hadn't had the game at Arrowhead? 
And he said it went from, you know, Missouri probably wins seven out of ten times at Arrowhead to Kansas probably wins seven out of ten times in Lawrence. I mean, I, I, I think I kind of agree with him that it would be, you know, a, a yeah, I think that's big fair. difference um, to kind of look at that that way, you know. And so, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, my first thought was, well, man, Lou, how do you do that? But then again, can't really be too upset with him in terms of what he does after that in the lobbying and, and actually getting us into the BCS Bowl. I think that was a lot of him kind of pitching pitching the program and, you know, pitching the, the fan base traveling and all of that to kind of make sure that we actually ended up in the BCS instead of. Um, yeah. yeah. How, how, hard of a, how hard of a pitch is that, though? You say, hey, you can have us, the Missouri people. <laughs> that, seems, that, seems pretty, that seems like a pretty easy choice to me. You know, while, while we're talking about fair, Missouri fair, fair. I, I think it, it, it surprises uh, me to hear that 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 C-Dot said that because I I think this will forever be a game that is seen just completely differently by KU fans than the way it is by Missouri fans. I, you know, I agree with yep. I, I agree with. Uh, I don't remember who said it now, but I, I I do think Missouri was the slightly better team uh, that year. I, I think they had they, they clearly had more NFL talent. Um, I, I I think neutral field, you know, I, I think they do beat KU probably six, if not maybe seven times out of ten. But if you talk to most Missouri fans, they they view that just as an absolute beatdown where the right. series kind of ended up sort of close. I mean, the, the only thing they want to talk about is the you know the the chunk of sod and Todd Reese's face mask after that safety. Um, but I I and I know a lot of other KU fans agree with me. I I think if that game goes five quarters, KU wins that game. Um, Gary Pinkle, for all he did at Missouri and 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 for all the uh, the things he did well there. Um, he was not a very good game day coach, and I, I think Kansas had made adjustments, and Pinkle had failed to keep up with that. And that uh, I, I think Kansas had tra- had completely turned the momentum around and just didn't have enough time to complete the comeback. I would say I would even take that a little bit further and say if they had an extra two minutes, I think Kansas comes back and wins that game. I mean, oh, that's my line. That's my line, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a it was a six point game. Uh, when when Kansas got the ball back with only 12 seconds, so if they had another two minutes, they would have easily had time, and they had been driving in that fourth quarter like crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, if it's five quarters, so, Kansas wins by three touchdowns. Well, in factor in two, KU had missed KU missed at least two field goals in that game too. From and, and Scott Webb had been you know funny all year long. I mean, he was you know, probably the last legitimately good kicker we had. So I mean, there's. There's other things, you know, to factor in that too. When you're talking about, you know, how evenly if he makes, you know, two makeable field goals that he made earlier that year, it's, you know, it's a tight game basically. That that game's going to overtime. Yeah, I don't remember. Was was that a really cold night, or was would did he just kind of inexplicably miss those? Oh, I don't know. It was was 20 degrees. It was freezing. Really cold. Okay. Yeah, it was, but it was also kind of just the case where. Everything that could go wrong in that first half went wrong. I mean, yeah, right. Missouri was just slicing through the Kansas defense like crazy in that first quarter. Um, you know, going to the end of the second quarter, Kansas just made some really bad decisions and had some some really bad luck with the with the turnovers and the just kind of the way that the field position went um, that led to it. Yeah, didn't Reesing throw a pick in the end zone? Like when we were about to score? Yeah, we were driving in for a score um, right at the beginning of the second quarter, um, and he just he just threw 
just threw it a little bit behind Meyer. Uh, Reasoning did threw it just a little bit behind Meyer, and and it got picked off. They initially ruled it a, a touchback at that point, but then they brought it out to the two. But then Missouri turns it around and immediately drives 98 yards down for the touchdown, and that that was their their first touchdown. Uh, I'm sorry, that was their second touchdown at that point. But that that drive actually got extended. Uh, McClinton and and I talked about this a little bit with Cedar, but McClinton. Um, got a huge sack on that on that drive, and it looked like we were going to stop them at like the KU 45 and, and force them to punt. And then out of nowhere, there was just a defensive holding call. Like there was no replay that showed anyone anywhere near. Um, but of course, they didn't give us enough of a view for me to really say for sure that there shouldn't have been a flag. But you know, it was one of those. It was like you know, everyone was talking about how how good of a play they made, and they stopped them, and we're going to force the punt. And then out of nowhere, it's like, oh, and by the way, there was a flag, so it's the first down. <laughs> so you know, I'm was, just going to say dollar signs. I don't see how that would have benefited you as well. But dollar signs. Sorry, yes. say that again. I I just said dollar signs. Not that that would have benefited the Big Twelve in any way, but I'm I'm just going to go with dollar signs on that one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I mean that you know that was just kind of one of those things. It was just Kansas did absolutely pretty much everything wrong that they could in that first quarter and and, and that first half, but we're still only down fourteen to nothing going into the half, and then just weren't able to to finish the comeback. So. And that's it for this episode of the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. We have two more parts of this conversation coming to you later today. So we'll see you back in just a little bit on the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.